You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Now we began this morning having a look at you are healed. How many of you were here this morning? And I just see your hand. Now, if you were not here, I encourage you, you need to go and get that message because we had a look at a lot of different scriptures. And as you know, we had just come out of a time of studying in the anointing that Jesus is the anointed. And when he got up in Nazareth, he spoke the word and said he, in reading from Isaiah, said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And then he described healing and he began to preach from that word. But the Bible tells us that the people that were there present did not receive that word. They, 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 the familiarity had kicked in. They said, we know your father and your mother and your brothers and your sisters. And the Bible says he could do no mighty work there. And it was because of their unbelief. And he used the, 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 the proverb that he said, you know, it says, physician, heal yourself. In other words, prove to us that you're anointed. Uh, just the fact that he said he's anointed, they said, well, show us. And that's very often what people do today when they talk about God healing today. If you believe in healing, then why don't you just go down to the hospital and empty out the beds there? You know, it's, someone may say, how come you, 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 know, you, you preach healing, but what about these guys that teach on healing, but they're wearing glasses? You know, why don't they just heal their own eyes? Those are things that the devil tries to throw. And Jesus had that. That's exactly what they said to Jesus. Not that we knew today that someone thought, I got away, I can trick these guys. No, Jesus himself said, I can't do any work unless it's the Holy Spirit that sends me to do it. You know, we got this idea that Jesus was just this miracle. If he just touched anybody, they always got healed. But the Bible says that he only healed a few minor ailments. One of the, the translations say. And it was very clear. And he said it's because of their unbelief. So it doesn't matter how powerful Jesus is. If we don't believe, we won't receive anything from him. And so we started having a look at that, how important this belief is. And we looked at the example of the woman with an issue of blood and how she pressed through the crowd and said, if I can just touch his garment. Now, why did she say that? And the Bible says, because she heard about Jesus. So the key, number one, was the hearing. And then number two, she said it. So based on what she heard, she said it out loud. And then in that, she then moved into action. She didn't just sit there, well, well, then I'll just have to trust God. You know, you never know. If it's God's will, then I'll be healed. No, she got up and she went at that garment and she pushed through the crowd and, and touched the garment. And the word says that Jesus was, you know, he stopped and said, who touched me? He, he wasn't even involved. He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't even ask her, do you believe? And he didn't say, hang on now, how dare you do that? Did we find out if it's God's will? He wasn't involved at all. And he used a very interesting statement. We see uh, in Mark chapter five, and in verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What made her well? Your faith. But if you read it, it was power that flowed from him. What power is that? Acts 10:38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the 
Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing how many? All who were sick and oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So the power that flowed out of Jesus was the person of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Hallelujah. And that power is what actually did the work of the healing. But Jesus didn't even say that. He didn't say, well, praise God, my power healed you. He didn't say my faith healed you. He said, your faith has made you well. And you will see that over and over and over again. And so I showed you all these scriptures in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. He saw their faith. Matthew 9, 22, 22, daughter, your faith has made you well. Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, let it be to you. Matthew 15, 28, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And you can keep going through all those scriptures down to Luke 18, verse 42. Receive your faith, your sight. Your faith has made you well. Your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith. Not once did Jesus say, my faith did that. Not once did he say, it was only the apostles that could do the healing. It was every time he said, it is your faith. So how many of you know, of course, when Jesus was present, they were healed. He said, it's your faith that made you well. Well, when he's left the earth, did faith leave the earth? If it was the apostles that did healing, we see it all the way through the book of Acts. We see these amazing signs, wonders, and miracles. And so when the last apostle died, it wasn't like Jesus said, your faith. Now the apostles come. Well, it was the apostles' faith that healed you. No, even Peter, when he looked at that man, he said, seeing he had faith to be healed. He said to him, pick up your bed. It was again activated by the man's faith. So even if the last apostle of the 12 apostles passed away, does that stop faith? Has faith now left the planet? No, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We still hear the same Word, exactly the same Word that Jesus spoke, exactly the same Word that the apostles worked with, is the same Word you have within your lap. Didn't Jesus say you would do the same works I do and greater because I go to the Father? And Jesus said himself, it's not me that does the work. It's the Father in me who does the work. How's the Father in him? By this person of the Holy Spirit. How am you born again? Keep that hand in there and say, I am born again. The same Holy Spirit that is in Jesus lives in my heart. Exactly the same Holy Spirit, the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, Jesus is still alive. Exactly the same word. Amen. Have a look at Luke chapter 5, verse 15. The report went around concerning Jesus all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. They came to hear and to be healed. You'll see that mentioned often. You see Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Jesus came down with them, stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from all the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him 
and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch Him, for power went out from Him and healed them all. Isn't that interesting? That was different to Nazareth. Nazareth, it says he, he couldn't heal them. Not that he didn't want to, he couldn't. And yet, yeah, these people all were healed. How did that happen? Well, that's Jesus. No, no, the word is clear. They came to hear and be healed. They came, this doesn't say they came to be healed. See, a lot of people do that. They just come to be healed, but don't really want to hear. You know, let's just get to the healing part, you know. Yeah, but let's sit down. Let's study first. No, no, uh, I, I've come for healing. And that's true in every area. Some people come to them and say, will you please pray for me? Sure. What do you want me to pray for? Oh, just, just pray for me. How am I going to do that? Because prayer means we're trusting God for something here. And unless you know what God you're trusting for, then how are you going to receive anything from God? Amen. So, okay, well, I'm believing God for. Okay, what scripture are you standing on? Just pray for me. Just, I am not a magician. I'm anointed. But Jesus, who walked with the anointing without measure, could not even do miracles if he wanted to. He only did it by the power of the Holy Spirit and was based on them hearing and them receiving. They came to hear and be healed. And you see that over and over and over and over and over again. It's coming to hear. And like I said this morning, sometimes people will come and listen, but not hearing. There's a difference. Amen. I can describe to you everything that a meal tastes like. I can tell you what steak tastes like. I can tell you, I can try and describe it to you. I can show you pictures. But unless you eat it, you're not getting any nutrition out of it. You have to eat it. You have to get that nutrition down on the inside of you. And same way for myself, even though I'm preaching the Word, just me preaching the Word is not what puts faith in my heart. I have to hear the Word for me specifically. Just because you cook a meal doesn't make you full. You feed a whole restaurant and still go hungry. You need to sit down to the meal somewhere. And you need to hear the word. That's also a reason to understand someone else. If, if you're in trouble and you're not able to speak the word, maybe someone's in a coma, then someone can pray on your behalf. That's called intercession. Thank God that he gives that. If any of you are sick and you're not able to handle it, you can call the elders and they'll come into agreement with you and the prayer of faith will save you. The word does say that. But you understand that it's not my faith that'll get you healed. It's your faith. It's your faith. So we can always trust the strong one next to us. As long as you're praying, Pastor, as long as I know that you stand in faith, as long as I know, and in the household, maybe, you know, as long as mom's praying, we're okay. No, there's a place you have to stand in your own faith. All our children were trained that as babies, we were intercession. We have authority over them as their parents, and God honors that. But when they came to an age of understanding, they have to understand and know they're going to have to live by their own faith. And they have to discover that because I can't eat the meal for you. You know, the baby's not eating. Well, let me eat it. There's at least now, now, you, now you're filled. No, you've got to get that food in the baby's mouth. 
So we will spoon feed in the beginning, but somewhere along the line, you've got to grow up and say, you know what? I need faith for today. Don't rely on yesterday's faith or Sunday's faith that Pastor Allen gave me. No, I need faith for today. That means I need to hear the Word of God today for today's issues. That means every day we feeding our faith. Somebody say every day. And so Matthew chapter 9 Verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel to the, of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. I want you to see the order. Number one, teaching. Number two, preaching. And number three, healing. And a lot of people just want to go straight in for the healing. Or the other thing is they want to just hear the preaching you know I need to be whooped up and you can be in services and I mean the guy can run up and down sweat and throw and spit and get, have us all standing hallelujah screaming from the chairs and yes woo woo hallelujah but even that will you know you may be inspired but that's not going to get you healed it's the teaching it's the teaching somewhere we've got to sit down hear receive the word take the notes, get it inside of us. Then with that foundation, we can go to the whoop and the shout and the excitement, but it's founded on the taught word. And then the process is in that atmosphere, you'll see the healing take place. And sometimes we want to bypass those things. And you need to recognize that if you're in a household where you've been taught the word of God, you need to thank Jesus because I'm getting what's necessary. See, when we had to stand in faith for our children, some desperate times where uh, even where some of them were in very bad shape, it wasn't the, the whoop whoop sessions that saved us. It was the fact that I'd been taught to how to stop death. You do not take this child. You back off and we speak life into this baby in Jesus' name. I wouldn't have known to do that had I not been taught. So how many you know teaching sessions aren't always going to be exciting? But Jesus did that. He was a teacher and he was a preacher. Hallelujah. But you notice the order. He first taught, then preached, and then the healing took place. But notice he healed every sickness, every disease. Matthew 8 verse 16. Evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirit with a word and healing all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken. In other words, we're hearing again by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. Notice, everyone was healed. Everyone was healed. Now I've heard people argue and say, well, you know, sometimes there are diseases that aren't healed. You know, they'll say something like, maybe it's God's will. Well, that person, excuse me, he's not ready to do the healing in that person. And, you know, there's this one is that no is also an answer. Now, you see, we've got to be very cautious here. And this is what I've taught many times before. And I want to make sure I say it again, is never do what you're doing. Don't build your doctrine around your experience. I know, I know of people, and I won't name names here because it's not yet to be negative. It's for us to learn to be positive out of it. Where somebody actually did go for healing prayer, 
And in their mind, it didn't work. And they've totally restructured their doctrine and now teach against that you can just call on healing whenever you want to. And they are still in their desperate situation. But just your experience doesn't change the Word of God. I've said it before, I don't care. Even if I, uh, I'm on my deathbed and, and, and no one's got any chance of me, you know, everybody thinks it's done, the doctors thinks it's over. I'm still gonna be right up to my last breath. I will, my Jesus stripes I'm healed. And then check out. Well, he stood in faith and he still died. Hey, listen, we're all leaving the planet sometime, but I'd rather go out God's Word never changes. I don't care what my body says, how I feel. You keep the Word alive. Because if you study out the Word of God, you know, the Word says that all of His promises, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All His promises Everybody say all His promises. What's He saying? If He's ever given a promise and you go to God and say, God, you said, not once is He gonna turn around and say, in your situation, no. All His promises. Everybody say all His promises. If you ever find a promise in that Bible, the answer to that promise is yes. And Amen. Now, I know we sometimes use amen with I agree or yes. No, the word amen means let it be so. Let it be so for who? The one speaking it. In other words, if I say a statement and you say amen, you say what you just said, it's for me. So I say you are healed. The promises are Yes, God honors that. And you say amen means it's for you. The NIV puts it this way. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in the anointed. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The fact that his promises are yes, you can say amen. He's given the promise. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. The Amplified says he's no respecter of persons. What's that mean? If anybody ever got healed on a promise, God cannot turn around to another person and say, not for you. If anybody had any miracle, He's not gonna turn around and say, not you. If anybody's seen any miracle of provision, he won't turn around and say, but you've been chosen for poverty. Why would he bless one with abundance and another must live in poverty? That's respected. That, there, there's some discrimination here. And God doesn't discriminate. He doesn't discriminate on your race. He doesn't discriminate on your gender. He doesn't discriminate on your language. He doesn't discriminate on your status in life. You read it from the NIV version, Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Peter began to speak. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. 
Well, God does it for you because you're a pastor. That doesn't qualify me. I know a lot of sick, busted and gusted dispasters. <laughs> That's why they probably are dispasted. But <laughs> I know of pastors struggling. If he's doing anything just because I'm a pastor, he should do it for every pastor then. That doesn't qualify you. I can preach the truth and still not have it work in my life. I can mimic what another pastor preached and preach it from you and with all enthusiasm. It's not going to change my life. Why? Because he, he doesn't have favorites just because you're doing his work for him and just because you're here, just because you serve there. He's not working on that. God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't show favoritism. But one thing I have learned, he is a respecter of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it is impossible to believe, to, to please God. And he qualifies it. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, but it doesn't stop there, and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's not just believing God is, God's my Lord, God's my Savior. I don't know why he hasn't healed me. No, I must believe that he is going to do it. If he said it, it's done. And it's that confidence and it's in that faith that he says, your faith made you well. See, God says in Jeremiah chapter one, verse 12, this is from the Amplified. The Lord said to me, you've seen well, I am alert and active watching over my word to perform it. God watches over his word to perform it. God doesn't respond to tears. The word says he's easily touched by our infirmities, but have you know he can be touched, but doesn't mean he's gonna move. You know, if you, maybe you just scream and cry a little louder, then God will answer. And that's very often I see people, they, 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 they're shaking with the crying and I'm trying to get their attention. Why, why are you crying like this? God, God, I need help, I need help. God's not going to respond to that. And I know maybe it sounds harsh, but I'm going to have to get you to stop the crying first. You're going to have to step out of that, that fear, out of that worry, out of that concern, out of that desperation. God doesn't answer desperation. He's waiting for something. Why? Because without the faith, you won't be able to receive it. See, God can put something on somebody, but if they don't believe it's theirs, they'll throw it away within 10 minutes of walking out. For to be sustained, the Bible tells us very clearly, the prosperity of a fool will ruin him. So even if you say, God, please prosper me, increase me, multiply me, he sees that that person's a fool, and that's not a negative thing. You go study our Proverbs, it's got many, many scriptures saying what a fool is. Things we do that we think are cute and normal and part of life. And yet God says, that's a fool. Why? Because that's what's gonna destroy, even if I give you 10 million rand, within a week, you'll break yourself. You'll destroy your life. So out of God's love, He won't pass that into your life because He doesn't wanna see you destroyed. It's not Him saying no. If his promises are yes and amen, what I have learned is if his promise is yet, 
is yes, he may say not yet. It's not no. Just you're not ready for it yet. It may not be the right time. And even if it's not the right time, he may say, my answer is not no, but I've got something better for you. You want this, but that's not gonna help your life. You should rather come over and believe me for that. But if you push this long enough, he will answer it. Why? He's watching over his word. What you believe for will happen. So get a hold of that family. I really, you came to here. Now I want you to hear. No matter how much you're hurting and want to cry and want to shout and want to slam and want to, God, where are you? That doesn't impress God. May as well sit back, calm down, get out your Bible and begin building your faith. Reading the Scriptures, reading the Scriptures. Reading the scriptures. What are you doing? Feeding your faith. Because God is watching. He's waiting for His Word. But once His Word is spoken, the Bible says He's quick, He's active, ready. And He'll perform His Word. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my Word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See, God, when He decides to do something, He will take that word and He will speak it. And the reason He speaks it is because He fully intends for that word to work in your life. That's the only reason He's spoken it, so that you would hear this is what His intention is. You read Jeremiah 1 verse 12 from the NIV, the Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. I'm watching. He chooses what he wants to do. He then speaks it and he sends the word to do what it has to do. And then he oversees it to make sure it's carried out. Hallelujah. So, God saying He sent His Word for a purpose. The Word will carry out the reason He sent it for and He will make, he'll personally oversee it to make sure that it happens. Well, look at Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. It didn't just say, and God healed them because He saw they were in trouble. No, He sent His Word, what healed them? That Word. The Word is what healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Family, I don't care even if you caused your problem. Notice it says He delivered them from their destruction. I know the devil does stuff, but sometimes we do stupid things. But if you turn back to God and say, Father, I apologize, that was stupid what I did, I'm coming back to your word and your word said, God says, that's what I'm looking for. He didn't say, well, now you made your bed sleep in it. No, he's ready to deliver you. And he sent his word to get you out of the very things that he knows we do in ignorance. But he's given, your word, he's given you his word to deliver you. 
Now, if he sent his word and healed them, well, John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Who are we talking about? Verse 14, that word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. So Jesus is the living word that came to heal us. Hallelujah. And so when you read Isaiah 53, verse four, surely he has borne our griefs and he carried our sorrows. That's what was quoted by Matthew when he said he healed all who were diseased and all that were oppressed with the devil. It says to fulfill that which was written in Isaiah. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Matthew says it was written that he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. That's the accurate translation of the Hebrew here. So he bore our griefs, our sicknesses and our diseases, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. You see, what Isaiah was saying was that when he was put on the cross, they thought that God was punishing him because of blasphemy. But that's not what happened. Isaiah is saying, even though you think, those people that crucified him, you thought he's been put up there because of blasphemy, and so now he's been executed because of that. He says, even though you thought that, actually what was happening is God needed him there. Because then every sickness and every disease that ever existed was put on Jesus. In fact, the word goes, and you do a full-on study, you'll find out that the Bible says that when he eventually, when he died on that cross, you looked at him, he didn't even look like a human. He was so buckled and bent. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, bad, sometimes, I don't know if you had it, but you can sometimes get, a person can get so sick I mean, everything's puffy and, you know, and you feel terrible and you can hardly walk or talk to anybody. Now, that's just one person, one body, one disease in that one body. Now, imagine you carrying the disease of your body and your wife's disease and your children's disease, just the family, just multiply what's in your body by five. I mean, that's already heavy. I mean, one is enough sometimes. Some people are just out by one. Now imagine taking a whole neighborhood sicknesses in one body, but forget the neighborhood, think of your whole city. Uh, forget the city, think of your country, forget the country, think of the continent, think of seven million people. Every disease that's for known to man in one human body. That's what Jesus did. He was afflicted with every disease. Why? Because God wanted every disease taken out of the human circulation, put into one individual that he can die with that sickness in the same way he took every single sin and he died with sin. Now we all believe that when Jesus died, he paid for every sin. There's not one sin. It's not like someone comes to Jesus and says, I want to give my life to Jesus. And Jesus checks his list. Oh dear, we left you off the list. I paid for every salvation except yours. No, every sin was paid for. And all you have to do is say, I believe. 
and you say that, what happens? You're immediately saved, isn't that right? Well, the same way, He took every disease. He took disease out of circulation. Died with it, that now it's done. It's paid for in full. And in that, you are healed. Now, we've got to renew our minds to this because the devil will come along and say, well, then what's that we're feeling in your body? Well, how many of you are born again? Let me see. Okay, keep that hand up. Now, how many of you have sinned since being saved? I hope no one took their hand down because that's your first son then. You just lied. But you saved. Every sin's been paid for. And yet I managed to sin again. Why do you think God said, if you will confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you. Why? Because He didn't just pay for the sins you've already committed. He's paid for the sins you're still going to commit. In God's mind, it's all done. But if someone rejects that, they can still, so that sin is a temptation to get you to walk away from God. But if you see it as temptation, instead of how's this possible? I thought all sin was paid for. No, you say that was temptation. I confess it. And that moment that sin loses its power. And it has no power because it's been paid for. And you immediately set free from that sin. He removes the guilt of it. The only reason we still feel guilty is because we let the devil beat us up because we don't know any different. But if we renew our minds that God sees me as righteous, I just learned many times when that feeling of guilt comes on, I just say, I plead the blood of Jesus. Go talk to my lawyer. Go, go. I'm, I'm not going to be feeling guilty about this. See, we think if we feel guilty, we can prove to God we're really sorry. He doesn't need that. Jesus paid for it. He doesn't remember your iniquity. So give it to Him. Let it go. Amen. You don't have to walk around with that guilt. Well, the same way, when we experience pain, we experience symptoms in our body, that is the enemy trying to tell you, so where's your healing? But we have to get to a place where we believe if he bore that sickness, he bore that disease, I'm standing on that word. Well, then how come it doesn't always work? You see, sometimes what can happen is, you know, how many of you believe that if, if someone dies and they've been dead for three days and eventually they're stinking, how many believe that person can come back to life? See, now people are... Uh, no, it's actually in the Bible. Jesus walked up to Lazarus too and he said, roll away the stone. And they said, Lord... He's been dead for three days. He stinks. But you notice Jesus was living at a level where he's fully convinced. Get what I'm saying now. He knew the word. He said, I don't do anything unless I've heard it from my father. And he was so convinced that if he's heard, now remember, we already looked at this morning, he's not doing this as Jesus, as power, as God. He emptied himself of that power. But now as the anointed, 
He fully expected that anointing to work and God had sent him. He had spoken the word. This sickness is not unto death, but the man died. Oh, come on. He said, the sickness is not unto death, but the man died. That's usually where we go, oh well, at least I stood in faith and praise God, you know. You never know what God's gonna do. No, Jesus walks up and says, roll away the stone. As he stood there, he says, Father, you've heard what I said. See, we have to understand why is it that we don't always see the same miracles? Jesus said we will do the same he did and greater. Because I can tell you, most probably that was us. We go there and now he's in the grave for three days. Well, let's just stand here for a moment. Let's, let's grab hands and let's, let's circle the grave and let's, you know, let's all pray in tongues for a while. Just pray, pray, pray. Come on, pray, pray, pray. Come on, I need to hear you. Come on, come on, come on pray. You know, I want to need to see more urgency here. Come on, come on, let's, let's see the sea. We're trusting God for a miracle here now. Come on, we're going to just wait. And we hear scratching on the door, then we know this work. But until then, come on, come on, just confess, confess, pray. How do you believe? How do you believe? Amen, hallelujah. And we're screaming and shouting. I know you're laughing because we've been there. <laughs> Jesus didn't do that. I said, Jesus didn't do that. He was so thoroughly convinced that because he had spoken, you can roll that stone away. And when they roll the stone away, he said, Lazarus, come out here. And he waited. He didn't just go and fetch him. And the Bible says, Lazarus appeared in the door. Didn't say he walked there or bounced there. Remember, he's wrapped up. He's a mummy. How's he going to walk there? Jesus says, come out. Based on that, here comes Lazarus. I don't know if he, if he, if he levitated or, 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 or portaled from there to here. I, I don't know. The point is he was there in the doorway. Jesus says, unwrap him. Dead man, a live man shouldn't be in bandages like that. Loose him. Come on, give Jesus praise. If you're getting, see, we, so when we look at somebody that's bound in a wheelchair and they're distorted and they're broken, in our minds, we're already going, well, you can trust God for something, but I don't know if he can do. And that's where we start to reconcile. That's what I spoke about earlier. Well, you know, maybe this was God's will. Or do you believe that if you can pray for someone, broken bones can be put back in place. Bent and shaped, out of shape bodies can be restructured. Brains that have been damaged can be reconstituted into a living, working, functional brain. Diseases, any form of Organ that's damaged an organ, God can replace that organ. You know how many organs have to be replaced in a dead man that stinks, everything's melting and is slush and is and yet when he came out, everything was functioning. One Peter two verse twenty four. Bible's very clear. He himself bore our sins in his own body 
on the tree. There we say, yes, amen. That we having died to sins, live for righteousness. Amen. By his stripes, you were healed. Why did Peter say you were healed? Because Isaiah said you are healed. See, when God looks at you, he's looking at the healed. I want you to renew your mind tonight. You are not the sick person trying to get healed. If someone's crippled, they're not the crippled trying to get healed. They are healed. You are healed. If you are healed, then you are healed. Hallelujah. And so no matter what symptoms show up, it's a decision you make from this day on. I don't care what my body feels like. I don't care what the symptoms are doing. I can be speaking through a voice that can hardly talk, but you're not going to hear anything else out of me that by Jesus stripes, I have been healed. And if I have been healed, I am healed. You are healed. I said you are healed. I said you are healed. It's a choice. Hear the word. Hear the word. Now you speak it. And you act on it. Janine and I, we were trusting God for our children. And doctors told both of us, neither one of us can have children. It wasn't like one had an issue. Both Janine and I had a problem. We tried different things. And we knew God had given us a promise. We decided one day we got the word together. We got together, got our Bibles out, and we went to the Concordance and we found every scripture you can find. And nowhere do you find God withheld children as a blessing. In fact, you find scriptures where they were barren and then the Lord remembered her and she had children. What's that mean? You think God forgot? No, He says, put me in remembrance of my word. He's not saying, I'm old and senile, please remind me what I said last week. He needs it out of your mouth. He needs you to say it. And that's exactly what we did. We got all the scriptures and we found all the way through the word continuously that children are God's blessing, His offspring, that you'll be blessed in your womb, will be fruitful and you will multiply. And we took all those scriptures and we consolidated them and we fed ourselves on it. We spoke them every single day. I would sit for hours at my desk and just release life into my body, life into my loins, life. And I just read the scripture and life. Well, praise God, you know the testimony. We have our four children, one is in heaven. We got three here on the earth and now they're multiplying and they're producing other children. And uh, we got extra, we got another son and another daughter out of them as well. And, and there's more coming. And now we got grandchildren as well. See, God's honouring His Word. Not only that, we travel the world now and we'll go to congregations and the Lord will speak to us about that. And I'll say by His unction, is anybody here? And they'll come forward and we pray for them. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to say this carefully. 
but we've got children all around the world. But it's out of the Word spoken. Amen. I have one wife. I'm happy. All my children are with her. No others. So that's a couple who together had children. But I'm claiming then that's part of our, our, the Word spoken. Same as you are all our children. Look how God is molded. Jesus said, if you will give up fathers and mothers and children for my sake, I will give you a hundredfold in return. Look at all that's happened because we are confident that God speaks. His word is yes and His word is amen. Don't let anyone ever talk you out of that. Hallelujah. So I don't know what affliction you're going through at the moment. Maybe you're dealing with something in your body right now. I want you to know, Jesus already bore that on the cross. We've prayed for people. We've seen lumps disappear on the spot. People came in, they knew they had a lump. They checked it out, lump was gone. How's that possible? Because it was already removed on the cross. So the devil had to create an image of what was taken. So that thing is a mirage. Medical science will tell you it's really there. But it is really, it's a counterfeit. Because Jesus already bore it. If, if he took it, it has to be a copy. Come on. See, I, 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 I just sense I've, I lost some people there. See, we need to renew our mind to the supernatural. If we're going to believe that God is able to open a Red Sea and people walk through on dry land, that is not physically possible in terms of natural science. How does a man say sun stands still, moon stands still and God makes it happen and the whole day takes longer until Joshua could conquer and finish the war? You try and explain that with science. Do you believe God's Word is yes and amen? Then you have to see it that way. Whatever the enemy brings is a lie. What you're experiencing in your body, as much as a doctor finds it and says, this is, yeah, they can do their tests and see it. You need to understand it's a lie from the enemy and we're not denying that it's there. We're denying it's right to be there. And by denying it's right to be there, you claim the word of God. And in claiming that word and in speaking that word and in rejoicing in it, when Janine was taken out by COVID and she was in hospital and the doctors were saying that the inflammation markers were the highest they had seen in that hospital. In fact, we just recently, uh, she had an issue with her breathing and she went to go and see the doctor and they had some x-rays. And the doctor looked at it and said, I'd like you to go for some more tests. I wanna uh, recommend that you go see this pulmonologist. Pulmonologist is a lung doctor. So of course you say, why, what, what, what are you seeing? He says, no, I don't wanna say anything yet. And you see, that, that's, that's, that's the enemy here. Uh, you know, use the unknown and the, oh no, I can't tell you. Let's first make sure. Now what does he wanna do? Start working on your mind. See, now, now he's working at a fear level. And so Janine went to the pulmonologist and he had a look at the reports. Now this doctor wasn't involved when she had the disease 
many months ago. For those that may have not heard Janine's testimony, she was taken down by COVID. And the doctors, in fact, they called me when we were standing in faith for her to be healed. She couldn't even speak. She was in a, in a, in a state of, of like awake comatose. She could hardly think and clearly, but it kept coming out of her. I'll not die, but live. I'll not. And she, by her own testimony, says she can't remember saying that. But the nurses said, you kept saying it. How's that happening? Out of the abundance of the heart. See, she had already fed enough faith down there that she didn't have to figure out, I need to do this. Just in this total mind taken out, she was still coming out of her. And so the doctors called me and then said, uh, we're not allowing any visitors, but we, for you, we're going to make an, uh, an exception. You need to bring the children, bring the family, because we're going to put her onto a ventilator. Just before we do that, you need to all say goodbye. And because she's not coming back. We, we, this doesn't look good. And I had to say, doctor, she's not going on that ventilator. She's healed. And he wanted to, you know, shame, I understand you. You know, he wants to say, you must understand, I'm doing my job, yeah, I need to let you know. It's like I'm, I don't understand how serious this is. And I said, I know, you, you do your job, let me do mine. My job is the Word. I know how to do that. You do everything you need to know, but let's, we work together. And I'm telling, don't put on the ventilator, she's healed. And long story short, after uh, a month, she came out of hospital, totally healed, totally restored. And she, I'm getting you to this, what we've just recently found out. She was then, she's doing CrossFit and she's healthy and she's fine. But as I say, she was having these issues with breathing. So the doctors, this, this, this new doctor, the pulmonologist, he doesn't know any of that. He, all he's got are the records. So he's looking through the records and in the records on file is the scan that they did while she was in hospital. It was done about a week after you got there, a few days later. They did a scan. Now, I don't know if any of you know the scan. You know those machines they put you through, that MRI thing. What they do is they take cross sections of the body and when they look on the screen, it's like you can, you've cut the body across you and you're looking at that section and they can roll up and down through your body. So he starts on the top of the lungs and he shows there's the two lobes. So you, you can see the two lobes at the top and it's kind of a dark material. And he says, that's, that's healthy lung. You can see as long as it's dark like that, you know it's, it's healthy lung. And so he wheels it a little bit lower and he shows some white speckles there and he says that's the COVID you can see it here in in these parts of the lungs here he says now watch this and from about one third down as he goes down it's solid blocks of white the whole bottom of her lungs are totally invaded by COVID and he's looking at her and he says if you were not sitting here and all I had was the scan. I'm looking at a dead person. Says, there's no ways this person came out from this. Oh, come on. We've got to give Jesus praise. Janine sat there and she, she just burst into tears. And I know it's tears of joy, tears of gratefulness, tears of praise. 
That wasn't, that was a, it was a praise God because if, if he has a doctor who didn't see her at the time, looking at her, these, there's, there's no ways these lungs can come back. And she's doing CrossFit and all these things like that. Says, well, let's go do the test. And she had to put on a machine and, was, and she had to blow. And, and, they, they got, and you've got to go take a deep breath and half blow and big blows. And, and they do a whole thing on her. And then they take all the numbers. And what they discovered was what on the x-ray is that what's happened is because of COVID, they've discovered that it can cause fibrosis. And they've now decided that if that happens to someone, they put them on cortisone as soon as possible and it gets rid of the fibrosis. But they didn't know that at the time when this happened to Janine. And so the COVID's totally cleared, but it left some fibrosis just on the two left sides. And he says, you know, that means if you, you know, he put it at a percentage, I think it was 85, 72% of her lung capacity. So apparently, she, you know, if she runs a marathon or does some high breathing, then she's going to struggle. But praise God, we know the word is yes and amen. I don't care if they, they, they're not able to give her, her cortisone. Because they say it's too late now. It's never too late for the Word of God. Right there, we rejoiced. And here's the thing. The doctor looked at her and said, you're very lucky. I said, no way. That's got nothing to do with luck. That's the Word of God. And we give Jesus praise for it. Come on, family. You've got to get a hold. You have to know that no matter if the world writes you off, if medical science writes you off, you keep the Word of God. I had to stand in my study and praise God and praise God and praise God. Every time I felt my faith slipping, I took the Word, I spoke the Word, fed myself with the Word, and then I went back to praising God. You don't praise something unless you believe it's yes, unless you believe it's amen. And I let God know, Father, I know Your Word is true. You watching over it, You'll not fail us. You never have and You never will. And praise God, there she is today, alive, kicking and doing CrossFit and doing heavy breathing. And she's well and healthy. Amen. Come on, stand your feet. Give Jesus praise. Come on. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him. You know the Word is yes. You know He's healed you. You know He's healed you.